welcome to the abiding podcast and it's another week of monday musings um this week i just want to backtrack to something that i remember reading i can't remember how long ago now but this one verse stood out to me and led to me actually writing a blog post about it quite a while back and um and it's the it's a verse in Matthew five, and it's just after the Beatitudes and after the passage where Jesus talks about the salt and the light of the earth. And in Matthew five verse twenty, he says, "For if for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven." And until I read it about last year, at one point. I'd never noticed the word exceeds in that phrase. And of like, to me, it just struck me to think that actually this isn't the narrative that we always hear of like, Jesus went throughout, throughout the, um, throughout the new, throughout his time in ministry, telling the Pharisees that their righteousness was the wrong kind of righteousness, that they were doing these things wrong and doing those things wrong and following the wrong examples. And, so for Jesus to turn to his disciples and to the crowd and say, your righteousness needs to exceed that of the Pharisees seemed really odd, especially if you take that verse in kind of like isolation and don't bring it into the wider context. Because as I then continue to read through through Matthew 5, you see how Jesus actually reteaches some really basic values of the, the current system. So... In the next passage, you see it said from verse 21, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable for judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Here again, this is the first instance of many instances where Jesus is re-establishing a standard and it's changing it from an outward thing to an inward thing. So it's taking it away from the idea of the, that commandment that says, do not murder and going, cool, it's our, it's yeah, that is in place. That is something that you should uphold. But I say to you that it goes deeper. And if you've got anger towards a brother that you're insulting a brother, that is the beginnings of that, and that is liable too. He does the same with lust and talks about how, like, actually to to commit adultery, yes, is a sin, but to look at a woman lustfully, you have already committed adultery in your heart. That's verse 28. And he does this throughout. He's always changing, kind of reestablishing that standard throughout the rest of chapter 5. And it made me realize as I carried on reading that so much of of this of our way of walking out this righteousness that exceeds that of the pharisees is a heart condition a motive condition because in chapter six he goes on to challenge our motives as to why we're doing the good things that we do we've just had a chapter of him going well these are all the sins that people commit and i'm going to tell you why we're not yeah, how we're not really following those well. And then goes on to say, oh, when you give to the needy, don't let your right hand see what the left hand is doing. Do it in secret so that the Lord may re- 
yeah, may reward you because to receive a reward from or to be seen by people and to be acknowledged as being as doing these good things really kind of like that gives you your reward here on earth you've gained status you've gained notoriety you've gained something from being noticed and he says that three times once about giving to the needy once about prayer and once about fasting and it is that thing of cultivating one that secret place but two cultivating our heart motivation why are we doing these things why are we going to church why are we giving to the needy why are we doing a b and c it is it always comes back to that heart condition and it also like it made me realize why at times you look back at david's life david did things that would like that come in amongst that list he lusted after another another man's wife he took her as his own and had the husband killed but even further on in in the scriptures we hear that that david was a man after god's own heart and that just always perplexed me because although the execution wasn't great his motives were good and that doesn't excuse what he did but it what it does do is it gives it gives hope to us who maybe don't fall short in such a massive way but actually that it is more about our heart and our intent and that Jesus cares more about that at times than he does about what we actually do and I think it also kind of comes back to some stuff that I've talked about before about like actually I may not have said this before but it really matters who you're looking at and why you're doing the things that you're doing because it is so easy I grew up in my early parts of my church walk and of my faith walk was based around learning to say the right things do the right things and think the right things but inwardly my heart wasn't fully transformed what was happening is I was changing my behavior especially around certain types of people but it wasn't linked to a heart after Jesus. And it is so easy for that disconnect to happen. So easy for us to start doing the right things, saying the right things, thinking the right things, without really engaging in relationship with Jesus. And it's why, just that little bit further on, and it's one of my favorite passages, although very challenging passages, is I love reading about where Jesus taught it says, says this on that day many will say to me lord lord did we not prophesy in your name cast out demons in your name and do my, many mighty works in your name and then i will declare to them i never knew you depart from me you workers of lawlessness it's in the knowing it's in the knowing of him that we are transformed and that we actually do things for the right reasons and that word knew is the same as the word, I think it's it's the same word as when we talk about um, about Mary, Joseph not not knowing Mary before Jesus was born, and it is this level of intimacy of experiencing one another, that oneness, and we are called to live in a oneness with Jesus, and the more we pursue that, the more we're transformed into who He wants us to be. 
and who we really are, what we were created in his image to be from the outset. And while we're kind of like sat in Matthew 7, I, I always love to pull out this kind of very simplified, very basic idea of what Christianity really is and what following Jesus really is. And it starts with starts in, in that passage where t- at verse 23, I never knew you. Christianity, first and foremost, following Jesus, falling in love with Jesus starts with knowing him. It starts with that because if we don't know him, everything else is chaff. Yes, we can even be doing things like prophesying, casting out demons and doing many mighty works like miracles. But if we do not know him, if we do not have a relationship with him, there will come a day when he will tell us to depart from him for he never knew us. Then in verse 24, um, it's he's, he carries on speaking. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like the wise man who built his house on the rock and there there again it is and we know some of you may know this story already that it's all about that foundation on which you build your house and what will what happens when the storm comes will your house stand or will it fall will it drift away and to be someone who builds their house on a firm foundation to build their life on a firm foundation is to sit sit in his presence hear his words, read his word, and do what it says. That there is a real, and that's, for me, the simplicity of faith. The simplicity of following Jesus is, do I know him? Am I hearing his voice? And am I doing what he's telling me? Because it's so easy for us to to neglect those three things for the sake of serving or there's just like there are so many things we can get caught up with in life and forget that the essentials of our faith are do we know him am i listening to him and am i doing what he's telling me to and i just yeah i just want to encourage you guys as you go into this week i i just encourage you to pick up a bible and read it and i actually encourage you to pick up a different translation to the one that you normally read just because there's there's a reason there's so many translations. It is difficult to really get the full meaning of the Hebrew and the Greek out into our language. Where we have one word, the Greeks have five. And it's, it is beautiful to see how different translators have chosen to, to translate it. And it will give new life and a freshness of life to the way that you read the Bible. I've been, in the last week or so, rereading Song of Songs through the Passion Translation and I'm falling in love with that that book of the Bible all over again, as you may have told from the previous episode. But I encourage you, pick up a Bible, read it, and let Holy Spirit speak to you. And from there, go and do what he says. Thank you for listening. I'll speak to you guys again soon.